Welcome to this edition of the Next Level Esports Podcast, edition number 30. I'm very happy to have on this show, Chaboy. Welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's, it, it's always great to be on a, on a podcast you listen to very frequently. Oh, well, thank you so much. I appreciate the kind comments. So for those of you who don't know, Chaboy is you know obviously a big esports host, Twitch streamer, content creator, social influencer. Um, you previously led the social media strategy and community management for esports FIFA, for EA Sports, obviously a previous employer of mine. So shout out EA Sports and the team over at Vancouver. Love that. Love that studio and that basketball court you guys have in the center, which is, which is just amazing. Amazing. Uh, uh, two two basketball courts actually. Two and obviously you know that awesome soccer field which we can we yes. could we could talk about as well. And now you obviously you know you entertain your incredibly passionate audience and you know you do on the multiple platforms and you got a ton of knowledge of football and FIFA. So thank you again for joining us uh, on the show and you know let's get it right into it. Of course, let's do it. Awesome. So tell us how did you first get involved in the FIFA scene? Uh well. I guess uh, I've I've got a long journey to to video games. I was I was born in Nigeria. I'm Nigerian born originally. Uh, my dad used to work for the UN, so we moved around quite a bit in different countries in Africa: Zambia, Zimbabwe, then Ethiopia. Uh, went to boarding school to finish high school in the U.S. in Massachusetts, and then went to college in upstate New York for industrial engineering, uh, which is I don't know why I picked that to be honest with you, but uh, I went to <laughs> Rochester, New York, RIT, uh, upstate New York. And I uh, did that. And then I kind of like... That must have been a, a nice move from going from from Nigeria to upstate New York. That must have been no change whatsoever. Yeah, no change whatsoever. No change in temperature. I, mean, <laughs> I remember that was, the, that was the first time I saw snow, actually, 2002. Wow. It was the first time I saw snow. When and, I was and, now, and now you live in Vancouver. And now I live in Vancouver, but it was, uh, so it was, you know, I did engineering at the time and, and upstate New York, I kind of figured out that I really just don't like engineering. I'm sure everybody knows an engineer and they're pretty boring. Engineering is a very boring subject. Um, so I was like, you know, I always wanted, I got interested in marketing as my minor, uh, I got really into it. And I was like, Hey, you know, what? I love video games. I love marketing. Why not get into video game marketing? So, you know, graduated during the recession, no job, like most of the people in my class, Lived in the parents' basement for a bit. And then I was like, all right, let me try and get into marketing. Went to UCLA to get a marketing certificate just to like round up my um, knowledge in that field. Got a job in marketing in Seattle for a bit. My visa for the U.S. expired. So I was like, I, you know, I got to move somewhere. I was a Canadian citizen because my dad immigrated uh-huh. there when he was my age. Right. But went back to Nigeria. So I was a Canadian citizen, but I never lived in Canada. So I was like, all right, why don't I look for a video game job? I'm like, oh, I went down to my desk and I saw the EA Sports job, CUNY manager uh, for FIFA. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to stay up all night, make my application for it. Apparently made a great application. I actually ran into my old boss like a week ago. He says he still talks about my application. And yeah, because I made like a whole Tumblr site about like why they need to hire me. And why I know so much about soccer. I've been watching soccer since, uh, you know, in Nigeria, soccer is just like the only thing we watch. Uh, we just watch the Premier League nonstop. So just kind of like tell them about my knowledge of the of the sport. And I've been playing FIFA since I was, since I was, since Lord knows, since the first FIFA in 94. Um, and next week, um, I think I pretty much got the job. So then I moved up to Vancouver in 2012. So about five years ago. And I became the FIFA uh, community manager um and then i was kind of the uh i guess the public face for the community which means 
basically like anytime somebody in the FIFA community is angry or something, they just, just <laughs> kind of yell. They yell at you. Yeah, they yell at me. Uh, so that's how I got involved in FIFA. And then, you know, eventually I moved on to do this. Well, you know, that's it's an amazing story. And I was having to say, you know, having worked for EA and having worked with that team at EA Sports, you know, getting one of those jobs is very, very difficult. So, you know, shout out to, to, to you for going through that process and, you know, putting in that effort to get that job. And again, huge shout out to the Vancouver campus and my boy, Sergio, who's still there, who's on the global oh. media sales team. Got oh, he- Sergio, Sergio Panini? That's right. He's my yeah. boy. So got to yeah. give him a shout out, you know. So, you know, he's, he's a great person. So, so talk about you know so that what was that transition like you know going from you know being on on the streaming side being you know kind of a fan to now you know you work for the company that that makes it and now you're kind of the face in it you know you sort of switch roles so what was what was that transition like uh, initially that transition was i mean you know nobody ever from being a fan of a video game to like working on a video game um you don't see how much it takes to make a video game like, absolutely I being, like the, my second week i was just like holy crap <laughs> like you know like as soon as my second after my second week i never you know because i mean growing up on the on college you know we didn't have i wasn't i guess social media wasn't like too huge you know that's i guess that that shows my age but i remember wait, you know, wait, wait, face- wait just for just for the record if you want to talk about age i didn't even have a cell phone in college okay we had text-based email so i will uh, I I I take your age and raise you another another, <laughs> another, another, <laughs> ten, another 10 years <laughs> oh, um so because i remember i mean i used to frequent on like you know kotaku comment section that's where you said you know oh yeah take take your rage Kotaku comment sections, Neo Gaff, things like that. Of and I course. remember, I, you know, I used to just like complain, like, you know, when a game comes out and something's wrong, I'll just like complain about it. Like my second week at EA, I just, I've never, since then, I've never really like publicly complained about anybody's video game since then because, you know, I see every video game launch and I'm just like, yeah, I know what, you know, I know what's going on there. I know why this isn't working. I know that no matter how much you prepare for a video game launch, you'll never know what to expect and you'll never be prepared. Um, as crazy as that sounds, because again, there's so many hidden factors that you just don't see. And, you know, I just had a lot more respect for video game makers um, and what they have to go through to get a game. And then you actually start to look differently at your fellow video game fans because they haven't gone through the same experience you you have. It's not their fault, but you know, it's like, you feel like they don't appreciate it as much because they don't know the struggle that went on just to release the game that they can so easily trash. I mean, it's so easy to trash something, but it's so hard to make something. Absolutely. You know, and I, I think that's a fantastic segue, which is one thing I'll add to two points is there is that I'd say is it's it's in five seconds, it's very easy to critique, but it takes, you know, five months or five years to create something. Right. So so that that's that's something. And also, you know, 99 percent of the audience doesn't realize what it really takes to make a video game, which is an intense amount of effort during crunch time. You know, these people don't see their families. They don't see their children. They don't see their you know spouses and loved ones. And what's even more uh, phenomenal, you know, what people don't realize is that, you know, a game like FIFA and Madden come out every single year from oh, that same studio, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. no one no one really considers that. Now, oh. that's an enormous feat when you're talking about games that, you know, that have been in development for two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten years, right? You're talking about a game that you need to put out every single year. So that's a, that's a fantastic challenge, you know? I mean, talk about that a little bit. You know, that's sort of, you know, the work that goes into producing a game every single year. 
Man, I mean, I I launched four FIFAs, 13, 14, 15, and 16. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's, it's so like, there's such a, the process that, that goes on to make a yearly game come out has to be so like executed so well. Like, I, you know, people criticize a lot of like yearly games that come out, but the fact that they came out honestly is a feat because it's very, <laughs> very hard to, to like come out with a yearly game. Like, yeah. What I see from the other side, I just see like, my goodness, the work these guys put in to put it out yearly. Um, and you know, for it's like the game comes out and then, you know, people critique and stuff like that. But when you start to see the other side and the fact that everything has to run like a machine, um, because when it's a yearly game, I mean, like, for instance, take a look at like, there are very few yearly games that are as big as like a FIFA, you know, like you take a, that's made by one studio. Like you look at call of duty and you know, there's three studios running that. So for FIFA, one studio to do that yearly. I even remember there was a one year in particular, like I remember the tough, I'll say the toughest year I ever worked at EA was, I think we released four games in a calendar year. So it was FIFA 14 on Xbox 360 PS3. It was FIFA 14 on next gen consoles. When those came out, Xbox one and PS4, which was about two months after that. Then there was a World Cup game because it was World Cup. So there's a World Cup retail game. And then we had to launch FIFA 15. Oh, yeah. So, you know, like <laughs> one game is hard enough, but I remember launching four games in a year and it went like pretty well, actually. Like they all came out and people enjoy them, you know? Um, it's so a, it's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal feat. And, you know, really, really kudos to the to the team in terms of kind of, you know, putting out, you know, those multiple SKUs, you know, so now when you just talked about, you know, kind of FIFA 18 and putting out multiple SKUs, you know, now, you know, this is we're talking the second year, FIFA 18 is getting into competitive gaming, you know, what, what are your thoughts on the current landscape? What have you learned from year one? And, you know, both from from pros perspective, and what else is, is needed, do you think in the space? I mean, I um, it's been a crazy twenty seventeen has been a it's been an insane year because I mean I feel like I've gotten years of experience but only really been in it since February I want to say, but so much has happened in the FIFA esports scene that it's just like you feel like you have like a generation has gone by already. But you know it was the first year of like full on competitive um like uh I guess the organized competitive FIFA esports with FUT champions uh, because FIFA esports was always around, but it never had like, it, it needed a, a a mode in the game to organize it. And what it is, is the, this mode called FUT champions. And um, the scene so far is, it's really amazing. I mean, he's putting a lot of effort into it. Um, the pros are starting to realize that, you know, they can become stars and they are stars. And that's the weird thing is like, cause you know, some of them watch me, because, you know, I do stream, do YouTube, but they don't realize I'm, like, a huge fanboy of them <laughs> at the same time. So it's yeah. kind of confusing because, like, they see me and I freak out about them. And they're just like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> um, you know, I, lo- I watch a lot of them to get better at the game, things like that. And I, I guess try to, you know, I, I want to get to know them a lot better so I can tell their story. You know, when we're on ESPN, when we're on TSN, Sky Sports. So I can tell people, you know, about why this guy dedicate so much time to FIFA and why that's not an easy feat. Um, so I think my job, my role in the esports scene for FIFA is uh, and my my personal mission is to kind of bring out the stars and all the esports guys. But uh, the the scene is going incredibly well. I mean, the good thing is that with FIFA, unlike other 
esports, I mean, except for like, you know, the Maddens, it's got, and, and Maddens and NBA, you know, it's got like an actual sport behind it. So there's always that interest. And when people see TV esports, you know, I, I would say that they can adapt to it very easily because it's like, hey, they're just like watching football slash soccer on TV. It looks like the same thing. You see Ronaldo on TV, you see Ronaldo at FIFA. Yeah. Uh, and you can recognize the players very well. It makes complete sense. It's a good segue to actually the next two questions. So you mentioned foot. So talk about it a bit more for oh, you know, someone you know who doesn't understand it. And you know, <laughs> what why do you think it's the best thing ever? It's it, it is for me is literally the best mode I've ever seen. I'm not even like just saying that as a uh, you know as somebody in the scene as somebody who's working. It is the if you're into soccer, football, um, it's the it's just it's it's like you're playing fantasy football, but in real in like a video game. So basically, what it is is, um, and this is the magic of it. It's basically like, all right, for anybody who hasn't seen it before, FIFA Ultimate Team. Imagine if every soccer player in the world, every soccer player that you see on TV, imagine if they had their own Pokemon card. Is the best way I can describe it. So they have a Pokemon card, and it has you know their stats. It's got their their pace, their dribbling, their shooting, their um, passing ability. And basically, your job is to collect these uh, these items slash cards um, and build a team based on chemistry. So what that is is that you're trying to connect players together, kind of like a puzzle. So if you watch soccer, you see like the starting lineups. You see like the little T-shirts placed along the field to show like what formation that is. Um, it looks sort of like that, but you know with the with the with the cards on the screen with the items on the screen. And your job is connected through chemistry, which is basically you have to find players of similar nation, similar league, or um, similar team. So if they have any connection in in any of those three, they have some sort of link together. And your job is to link them all to a hundred percent. So maybe if you get if if a like let's say there's a guy, I mean a lot of people might know Cristiano Ronaldo. If you connect it to one of his teammates, Real Madrid, they play in the same team, same league. They have a strong green link. If you connect Ronaldo to somebody who's from a different team, but in Spain where Ronaldo plays, there's an orange link, which is like, all right, that's a medium link. It's, right. you know, they, ha- they have a league in common, so they connect a bit. Uh, but then if you connect Ronaldo with somebody from Major League Soccer that's not Portuguese, like Ronaldo is, then there's not going to be any link there. Correct. So that's, that's pretty much like nothing's there. So your job is to figure out those connections to connect to 100 and use that team because then when you build that team, you then take it online to gameplay. So it's my ultimate team versus your ultimate team. And you can pretty much connect. I mean, if you could figure out the connections, you can put any player together. So I can I can have Ronaldo and Messi, who you know, who play for rival teams, as a lot of people will know. Uh, but I can have Ronaldo and Messi on the same team, which is insane. So if you're a kid like who watches soccer, especially like kids in Europe, this is like insane for them because yeah. it's like they're playing with their heroes. And they can add them to their team. And they can play, again, Messi with Ronaldo, with Neymar, with this player that they like in England. You can do pretty much anything. And where the best part of it comes, and this is what hooked me from the start, uh, is it follows the real world of soccer. So every weekend, you know, football matches get played, even in the weekdays. So let's say Ronaldo scores three goals. All right, so if he scores three goals, any player does a really has a really good performance, he gets put in the team of the week, which comes out on a Wednesday. And on the team of the week, the regular, let's say the regular Ronaldo, who's a, who's a gold card, 
he gets replaced with an upgrade of Ronaldo, which is a black and gold card. It's a team of the week card, let's say. Um, and that Ronaldo has better stats than the original one because he is like, hey, we watch soccer. He did well this weekend. You watch that game too. You're a Real Madrid fan. You watch that game. You saw that he did well. All right, in the game, this version of Ronaldo is celebrating that performance and his shooting is better than the old one. He can jump higher. He can run faster. And then that's where, you know, the microtransactions. There's a, there's a true real-world integration that you've created there between what's happening out in the real world and what's going to happen inside the game. Ex- exactly. So you're literally watching, you find yourself watching leagues that you never even watch because you're trying to figure out who's going to be in the team of the week because you want to, like, build your team. So, like, I never used to watch the German league, but I used to have a really good German league player on my team. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy's insane. I'm like, wait, when's he going to get upgraded? So I start watching his team, Dortmund. Uh, the player was Gundogan at the time. He used to play in Dortmund. Uh, and I start watching the German League because I'm like so into this player. And that's what you see a lot, especially in North America, where you know soccer is not the dominant sport. But what you see is a lot of kids will start watching soccer because of the players that they see in Ultimate Team. Uh, like, Absolutely. I would also say that and if you look at what Europeans, uh, European soccer teams, football teams have done in terms of sponsoring, you know, FIFA athletes as well, what they've seen in terms from a marketing perspective is, you know, a huge lift from a, a North American and U.S. audience that they never had before. You know, you'd look at a team like Schalke 04 that not only has, you know, FIFA athletes, but, you know, they were in, in, uh, in the LCS as well. And they have, you know, I think that, you know, thousands of Twitter followers on their English site now they never had before. And they attributed that, you know, to sort of their investment in esports. So you can see that, you know, what you're doing in terms of, you know, building out the leagues in terms of what EA has done with their Divisier and obviously E League on and the real world integration. I think that's fantastic. Now moving towards the, the actual sports teams, I think this is some really interesting news. In the past couple two weeks, EA actually added real esports teams like Team Liquid and big popular brands like Hashtag United their kits actually inside the game. Now, I think that integration is absolutely fantastic because one, you know, it's ways for teams for hoping in the future and athletes to get more money and revenue versus just prize pools, you know, DLC and digital opportunities. What do you think about uh, that space and kind of, you know, kind of giving back to the fans and have they been asking for it and where do you see that going forward in the future? Uh, I think it's amazing. I mean, I love, love, love the fact that they did that. I saw uh, Spencer Owen, Spencer FC, who... Uh, created hashtag united i saw him last week and like you know could just see like how happy he was there. absolutely and shout yeah. out spencer so i mean they've done such a great job with that and building that community exactly and you know just like the look on his face how happy he was because you know for 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 a lot of guys in the community this was like unbelievable to ever even happen in a few years um i think that's the i think that's the way it needs to go because that builds engagement with the esports side of things and people can relate more if they see uh if they see that esports team in the actual game, I think you're going to see um, a lot more recognition of those esports teams. And that's the thing about FIFA esports is like it's kind of in this really cool infancy where it's like, you know, we're not 100% sure what's going to happen. I mean, it's all like it's a, some of it is in the air in terms of like so many new opportunities, which just makes it so exciting because um, it can go so many, so many amazing ways. So this is just the start. And it's already really big, and it's just the start. So we're just so excited to see where it's going to go. That's awesome. So you're going to give us some revenue numbers already, right? Is that what you're going to tell us? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's if I used to work at EA. That's, <laughs> that's right. That's EA, right. You know? So listen, let's talk about now. You know, people have talked about uh, the Olympics. You know, and esports, and the Asian Games announced that esports would be a medal event in 2022. And my belief is that it's not a matter of what you know is it going to happen, but it's just going to matter of when is it going to happen. Whether it's 2024 or 2028 in LA, we could see that. Now, my question is. Wouldn't FIFA make a good start for the IOC to explore in terms of, you know, soccer is already an Olympic sport. It's already recognized. It's something that's nonviolent. I mean, without obviously being biased, I would almost argue that if you were going to start with esports in the Olympics, you would almost want to start with FIFA and soccer. Oh, yeah. I think it needs to be at the forefront, honestly. Um, because again, it's something. Again, the good thing about FIFA esports, again, it's something that people can immediately relate to because you know billions of people watch soccer anyway. Um, Olympics has a Olympic soccer has a very dear part of my heart because it's um, uh, Nigeria won the Olympics for soccer in 1996. Is like the best time in like <laughs> that's fantastic ever. Like I'll never forget that day. Yeah. So uh, I really want to see that at the Olympics. I think it's uh, it, it's definitely fit because again, there's also the engagement of people who want to see Olympic soccer. Um, played. I mean, Olympic the the importance of Olympic soccer, to be honest, has like kind of decreased over the years in the last couple Olympics. So maybe this is a new way for people to get back into it and they can yeah. uh, generate more interest. You know. Absolutely. I mean, what you were just saying in terms of, uh, you know, ultimate team and watching, you know, players that you want to support, you know, inside the game, you know, if that delivers viewership, you know, and obviously we've seen the viewership move towards the digital side. There's an interesting opportunity there. Um, so now we've asked, you know, the audience, you know, in terms of a question for you. And, you know, I thought we, we, we found a really good one. So what does it take for someone to become a FIFA 18 pro? Um. A lot of dedication. I mean, a lot of people don't see, and I'm sure you see this in other esports. And you yeah, know, people who come out from outside esports, they don't see uh, how much time it takes for these guys to get good. Um, so I would say you need to play like pretty much every weekend league. And uh, for people who may not know, weekend league is kind of the way you qualify for these for regional events, uh, for the regional esports events. It's the way you can get into tournaments stuff like that. It's basically on the weekend. Uh, he has the mode the foot champ is where it's called, uh, they have a, a weekend league on the weekend where basically you have to play 40 games of FIFA on the weekend which is it sounds easy actually does it sound easy it's grueling it, it is it is listen I'll, let, I'll be completely honest because you know you know I have myself you know I, I run a versus sports which is you know one of the largest Madden organizations and you know just on the Madden side you know it, it's a, it's a long grueling and, and myself and I had signed you know I was the first person to sign a FIFA athlete here in the US last year and you know playing that many games on, on the weekend span is, is, a, is a very very time intensive process and and basically, it's about twenty hours that you need to put in. So that's a whole second oh, yeah. second second job to put in. So that's a lot of effort that you know people don't realize that the, that these top pros and athletes like what it takes to grind to make the leaderboards, to make the events, and then make it through the events. That's a lot of hard work. Exactly. So uh, you know you need to you need to focus on those weekend leagues, um, get those forty games. Uh, and so the thing out of those forty games, you know, depending on how many you win. You get ranked in your region, Europe, Americas, rest of the world, and then that's how you get qualified. So uh, you need to focus on every weekend league. I mean, the thing is that you have to you have to have a passion for it because that's what's going to give you that extra 10% that's going to get you through. So you really have to want it. I mean, you kind of you have to decide do you want it or not. 
And the thing with the universe and everything is that, you know, if you kind of tell the universe what you want and put in the effort, then you eventually get it. So if you do want to dedicate the time, you have to dedicate that time. You need to watch the other pros. I mean, what feature that they have in FIFA 18 right now um, is called Champions Channel, where you can see the replays of all the top 100 players in the world. Um, so you can kind of go through their games that they played on the weekend and see what they do. So you need to really focus on them. And another thing is that you need to play against other good people. I think that's one thing we see in uh, the FIFA esports scene is that the teams, I mean, the countries that have their own esports league already set up where the pro players play against each other very frequently um, do very well in tournaments uh, because their level of competition is so high and they get to play other high level opponents. So, you know, that's where sometimes North America struggles is that they don't get to play a lot because since FIFA is not huge here, they don't get to, there's not a huge number of high level opponents to play here. So when they go to Europe, you know, it's a bit of a shock because they see this whole new gameplay style and they're not used to it. So I would say making sure you're amongst other really good FIFA players really, really helps you as well. Yeah, the the Europeans definitely tend to dominate. And speaking of domination, you know, so FIFA has dominated the esports scene for a while, you know, the last couple of years, just what EA has done with the leagues, what different teams have done in terms of sponsoring athletes. Now, most recently, just in the past week, Konami has been relatively quiet but now they just recently announced that they have a partnership with the champions league and they're finally going to make a move into esports and working with the champions league do you think you know they have an opportunity or are they a bit late to the space uh, or are they going to be able to finally make that investment um you know i think if they did this maybe a year earlier they could have had a chance but i think you know the hype of foot champions i mean the thing with the fifa the the fo- the football video game scene is just it's really all, it all comes down to hype it just comes down to how excited people are it comes down to engagement i mean back in the day pro evolution soccer was known as the better uh football video uh-huh. game because you know mm-hmm. that was that was during the days of offline so you know the gameplay was the only thing you could judge things by right and you know yeah. pro evolution soccer had great gameplay um and then you know fifa stepped up its gameplay in fifa 09 onwards and then you know the difference was FIFA Ultimate Team is that they embraced online first and they just took that over. And the thing is now, the FIFA fan needs to be engaged every day. And that's what is really good about FIFA Ultimate Team is that the game, I mean, I think it's the only, I mean, I don't want to, I, I I don't know some of the other PC games, but it literally, the game literally changes every day based on what's happening in real life. I mean, there's a crazy story. People won't believe us, but like there's a crazy story about, um, there's this, there's this challenge you have to lock in FIFA, right? And you basically have to wait for the English Premier League to announce who their player of the month is. Like you, you like so you have a, millions of FIFA fans waiting on the Premier League Twitter to announce who is the player of the month in the English league. And based on that, a special item, a special card gets unlocked in FIFA, right? So everybody wants that, and you can do a lot of cool things with that player. You can um, make a lot of profit on the transfer market in the game if you sell players who um, are needed to unlock that player. So everybody's waiting. And then one time, you know, the English Premier League decided to do a doping test, just like routine doping test. <laughs> and then the player who was supposed to win, we all knew this guy was going to win, but the Premier League just didn't tweet it. And we're just like, why are they not tweeting it? And by the way, for people on West Coast, this, was, this happens at 4 a.m. because it happens at noon in the UK. So we're up at 4 a.m. I'm up at 4 a.m. My buddies from the West Coast in the U.S., 
are up at 4 a.m. We're just like, yo, where's this tweet? We're like, we need to go. Where's this tweet? And then we're like, what's going on? So we look at one of his teammates' Snapchat, and they're like Snapchatting like, oh, we got doping tests right now. And they're like really bored. They're just sitting in a room. And we're just like, oh, my God. Like, we're waiting for this guy to pee in a cup. We're sitting here. We're, we're sitting here. Millions of us are sitting here, and we're waiting for a guy to pee. I waited three hours for a guy to pee in a cup. That's how engaging FIFA Ultimate Team is. Is that I sat there for three hours so that that guy could pee in a cup, pass his doping test, which everything was all obviously good, and then that's only when the Premier League could announce that he was the Player of the Month. So it's all about online engagement. And the thing with that is that Konami might have missed that. I mean, one thing they could do with the esports thing here is that I mean, they do have the Champions League license, which is a very important license in football, um, one of the prestigious licenses to have. So I guess they really need to play on that and have something special dedicated towards that and really integrate that with the real-world Champions League games, which millions of people watch um, week in, week out, um, throughout the year. Um, and you and can't, guess- you're right. You can't take away from what you know the Champions League means. But I will say, though, right now, I'm calling it, for FIFA 19, best tagline ever. I waited three hours for someone to pee in a cup for Ultimate Team. Right now, right now. EA Marketing, write that down. Write that down. EA Marketing, write that down. Best time ever. So, all right, listen, well, thank you so much for your time. We're going to end with one final question. So, you know, we're talking about back in the day. So, back in the day, you know, I wasn't too bad at FIFA myself. You know, we'll we'll take it back a little bit. You know, FIFA 96, although my boy, my bar, my boy Arf would beat me. But, you know, I I wasn't too bad. But, you know, do you think right now, if I I had the best ultimate team possible and you played as Crystal Palace that I could beat you? Um, Maybe a different team than Crystal Palace because they've got some pretty fast <laughs> players. Uh, so I would say if, if you, if I had to choose like a Watford, maybe. Cause, uh, okay. Because pace is very important in FIFA this year. Right. Um, so I think Crystal Palace, I think I'll be all right. But if you gave me like a Watford, I think, I think you could, uh, I think I can take you down. Wow, that that's that that's huge. It's a huge, huge advantage, and I still I still don't think of that. Well, listen, True Boy, thank you so much for being on the show. It was fantastic to have you on the Next Level Esports Podcast Thirty, and uh, good luck with uh, FIFA eighteen this year. And uh, we will talk to you soon. All right, thank you so much.